Welcome to the Coaching Lab Podcast. I'm Head Coach Matt Dennis, and today we're going to be talking about the six do's and don'ts of coaching basketball. These are things that you want to make sure you do more of, but you don't want to do them in the wrong way. So before we dive into the meat of everything, I encourage you to go over to CoachMattDennis.com and check out the Coaching Lab, where you'll find everything you need to be a successful basketball coach. I also want to ask you to give me a five-star rating and review. If it's not a five-star today, go ahead and hold on to it. Hopefully the next time I'll earn that five-star rating from you, but I'd greatly appreciate it if you do that for me. All right, let's dive in to the six do's and don'ts of being a basketball coach. Welcome to the Coaching Lab Podcast, where basketball coaches build more success in less time by increasing their ability to teach, lead, and coach the players on their team and in their program. Coach, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you spending your time with me as we dive into the do's and don'ts of being a basketball coach. Now, we're going to hit on six areas today that I think every coach has thought about at some point. They've thought, man, we need to do more of this, or I don't want to do that as much anymore. It just wasn't worth our time that we have in the gym, and we got other things that we can work on. I'm sure there's things that you can think of as you go throughout your season, but seeing how most of us are still in the beginning stages of our season right now, this is a perfect time to hit some of those key areas before it's too late. So hopefully this will be a little bit thought-provoking for you, and just you know, give me a few ideas of maybe how you can do things a little bit different. The first one I want to touch on is conditioning. Do condition your players. We all know that conditioning is a huge part of the game, and we need to make sure that our players are in the best physical shape possible so that they can play the longest and the hardest while they're in the game. Don't condition by only using line drills. We can do better than that. There are so many great ways to condition your players using drills and putting things in game context. That running line drills, in my opinion, really is is just kind of out of style. Uh, There isn't a whole lot of value once you get into the season for hopping on the line. Now, certainly you could make a case that we need to get players' attention once in a while. We need them to pay attention to details by touching those lines. And there is maybe a little bit of truth to that. But can we pay attention to details in other ways in drills that actually use a basketball or make us better basketball players? I think we probably can come up with some of those. And when it comes to getting our players' attention, every once in a while, it might be a good thing to kind of mix it up and have them get on the line for a quick sprint. But if we're doing that all the time, we're using it as a tool for punishment, and we're using it as a tool for conditioning, and we're using it as a tool for, you know, if whatever team loses, even if they're not in trouble, they lost, it's a consequence, then we kind of lose all the things that we're hoping to get out of it because running just kind of becomes something that players don't like to do. So if you use it once in a while, I certainly can buy into that. But if we're using it for everything, I think there are better ways that we can get our players in condition with a basketball uh, and certainly teaching them the game while we're doing it. So that's the first one. Do condition. Don't just make your players run line drills. Number two, do make basketball important. Don't make it the only thing. 
One of the things that I really appreciated about my college coach was his ability to kind of put basketball in perspective in life. Now, he certainly used it to teach the game of life and to teach about obstacles and how we handle things and how we respond to certain circumstances. But he was also really good at saying, this is still basketball. This isn't you know, life and death. This isn't going to war, as a lot of coaches like to put it out there, is, you know, we're in a war, we're in a battle. And the way he put it, I just thought was so great, is there's difference when you go to war. When you go to war, it certainly is life and death. There are big things at stake. Basketball is important, but we need to make sure that it's important in the context of where we are in life and what we're trying to accomplish. It's a tool to be used. And in college, it was a tool to be used to help us get through uh, college to get our degree, you know, but it certainly leads itself to a lot of other things when we talk about uh, teamwork and accountability and learning a skill and going after a passion and pursuing things that are important to us. So we want to make basketball important. We want things and we want people to be on time and we want them to pay attention and we want them to excel and do their very best in it, but we don't want to make life all about basketball. Coach, I hope you enjoy what you're listening to. I want to take a quick time out to remind you to head over to CoachMattDennis.com to take a look at the coaching lab, as well as leave me a five-star rating and review when you're done listening to this podcast. Now, let's dive back in and hear what the final four do's and don'ts of being a basketball coach are. Number three is do address the team after a game. Don't talk for more than 60 seconds. Now, this is one that I sometimes have to rein myself in on just a little bit, and I think most coaches do, because we notice all of the things that are happening within the game, and we want to address all of them. One of the great things about halftime is you have a time limit. You know, the coach comes in and tells you, hey, you got three minutes on the clock, you got two minutes. But then after the game, we don't have anybody who says, you know, hey, you got two minutes left. The coach can sometimes go on and on and on. And I look back in my playing days, my high school days, my college days, the the games even that I've coached in at the college and the high school level, to how many of my speeches or my words after a game are memorable. And I'm the one who said most of them after a game, and I can't remember too many that were real memorable. I certainly don't remember them as a player. So... Make sure we're addressing our team, but let's keep it to 60 seconds or less. Because when you look at the tape, the fact is you're not as good as you thought you were, but you're probably also not as bad as you thought you were. So we need to look at that game, come back the next day with a little bit of a plan, a little bit of a clear and fresh perspective on things, and then we can address the team and have them watch some film or go over a certain aspect of the game. So keeping those comments to 60 seconds or less, you know, is always a good idea after a game. Players aren't paying attention anyways. They're they're thinking about maybe what they did right or what they did wrong personally, not necessarily about the team. They're thinking uh, about, you know, getting out and going to do whatever they have to do next, whatever homework assignment they have to do. Friends are going to hang out with, you know, if you're in high school athletics, uh, you know that every kid is not a diehard basketball fan. They have other things going on in life, and that's just part of the game. When you're in college, slightly different, but I think the same thing holds true. Keep it to 60 seconds or less. That'll keep their attention. Let them move on. You come back the next day and talk about whatever it is you saw in that film. 
Number four, do value every player on the team. Don't forget to tell them. Now, this is always one that you have to really remember and be intentional about in order to get this across because we all talk about we value everybody and everybody has their role on the team and everybody brings something special to the team and you wouldn't be here if you didn't have the ability to have a positive impact on what we're doing. And we always like to say that in a general way because it sounds good. Don't forget to tell your players that. What is the value that every player brings on the team? You know, for me, I like to assign different roles. So some years we have kind of a captain of our locker room and we'll have a different captain of our bench. And that bench guy is just an enthusiastic person who gets everybody going. Maybe they play a lot, maybe they don't, but that's their, their role is to be enthusiastic and to keep the bench alive and paying attention. Then we have captains maybe before a game uh, and those can change. I don't think you always have to have the same captains. You can have captains in front of whoever gets guys warmed up before a game or before practice. If that's their job, to get them focused and ready to go. Uh, those are roles, and those are roles that have value. You need to make sure that everybody knows that they have value. If the role of the, a player is to be a defensive stopper, they need to know that, and they need to know why that role is so valuable to the success of the team. So I heard Kevin Eastman just talk the other day, and he was talking about the giving players roles and that when a coach says to a player, your role is to rebound, is to make the outlet pass, is to get putbacks, the coach is saying, this is what helps our team. What the player hears is, and what he said was, they spell this role in the letters S-U-C-K, is I suck, coach. You don't want me to score. You don't want me to shoot. You don't want me to dribble because I suck. And that's not what you're saying at all, but that's what they hear. And part of it is the role that they have been given has not been shown value. So you need to make sure that you're showing and you're telling every player on that roster what value they bring to your team. And you have to be intentional about it. One-on-one meetings, small group meetings, having players go around and tell what they appreciate about each other, all are ways that you can help show value for every player in your program. So do value every player on the roster. Don't forget to tell them. The next one, number five, is do shoot more in practice. Don't always shoot in blocked chunks. Every coach needs shooters. The name of the game is putting the ball in the hole more than your opponent does. So we have to have players who can shoot. And a lot of times coaches say, all right, we're going to spend 15 minutes of practice and we're going to do shooting. We're going to you know, shoot free throws. We're going to shoot jump shots. We're going to work on uh, finishes around the rim. We're going to have three-pointers all in this one block chunk of time. The problem with that is the game is not played in a block chunk of time where kids can just shoot and shoot and shoot. You need to get them moving where they're constantly uh, getting to a different shot, maybe from the same distance, but they're moving. They're working on different portions of their game uh, in a way that is not so repetitive like a chunked uh, shooting block of time would be. 
Now, there certainly are times where you want to just get in reps. Then I get that. If you have a player who's shooting in the corner or maybe you look at the stats and they're missing a lot from the corner three, that's a shot they need to shoot and having them shoot uh, for a chunk of time is appropriate. But also having them do other things from that area, having a shot fake into a pull-up jumper, a shot fake into a drive, uh, doing a step back, Lots of different things that you can do from that area. You want to make it as game-like as possible. So do your shooting where you're getting lots of game-like shots. Do your shooting where you're getting a game-like pace. Make sure that the players are moving and doing things similar to the way they would in the game to make sure that that shooting is as effective as possible. You know, the best time to do the blocked chunk of shooting is in the off-season. During the season, if that's the only shooting you're doing, Take a look at your numbers. Are your shooting percentages where they should be? Well, it might be because fatigue isn't a factor. It might be because there's no defensive pressure involved. There's lots of reasons. Find ways to add pace to it, to add fatigue to it, to add pressure to it. Make your shooting as game-like as possible. So do more shooting in practice. Don't only do shooting in blocked chunks. Number six. And our last one on our list here is do plan practice. Don't be so detailed you major in the minors. So I saw just the other day on social media where somebody said uh, they don't plan practices and they gave all their reasons why you shouldn't plan a practice. And I could see some validity to what they're saying is you don't want to have a planned practice that you stick to so strictly that you're players don't have time to improve or your team doesn't have time to improve on the things that are most important. So if you're doing something in your offensive transition, let's say, and it's just not going right, but you only gave five minutes to offensive transition, you may need to scratch the next thing on your on your practice plan and stay with offensive transition just a little bit longer to make sure that everybody gets the reps, that everybody gets the understanding that they need to have. So we can't be so detailed that we're, we're stuck to that schedule even when we're not improving in the right areas. You have to have some flexibility with it. But having a practice plan allows for you to move from one thing to the next in a systematic way so that you get everything accomplished. Now, I can say in my practice plans, I tend to put more things down than what I can actually get to in my two hours of gym time. And I think it's roughly probably 75 to 80% of what's on my practice plan I actually get through. So I cross it out as we go through practice. Those things I didn't get to either aren't the most important things to me and my players and my team at that time, or they're things I can move to the next day. So we need to have that plan, but we can't be so married to the time because the time that we put down, unless it is some basic shooting drills, some basic dribbling drills, our warm-up, Unless it's something like that, uh, where we can just move from one thing to the next and it's systematic, every day is kind of the same, uh, we need to make sure that we're allowing some flexibility when, as a coach, we see something that just doesn't quite look right, that we need to spend some more time on. We need to be able to make that call and say, yep, we're going to spend more time on this today. It isn't going the way that I wanted. Because really, it was a hypothetical on how much time it was going to take for us to get through that. And if your hypothesis was wrong, well, you need to adjust that during practice. Uh, the reason I put don't major in the minors is one of the coaches that I worked with, Coach Ron Welch, was at KVCC, and I think he's the first one that I ever heard say this. I'm sure that others said it before him. But um, I remember him 
making the comment, you don't want to major in the minors, you want to major in the majors. If you're paying attention to such small, minute details that you're missing the big picture, then you're majoring in the minors. Uh, I can specifically remember hearing a Division I coach uh, talk at a coaching clinic about how his players were going to be, their chest was going to be three inches from the shoulder of the man that they were trapping. Three inches. And he went on for probably a good minute on how three inches was the magic number to make sure somebody could not uh, pivot or rotate and get their elbows up without drawing a foul. And he had all these reasons. And I vividly remember sitting back and thinking, he's majoring in the minors. Whether your player is three inches or you're six inches or you're eight inches, you need to be close enough to make a proper trap. The number of inches is probably going to be different for every player, depending exactly where they are on the court, how fast you come in, how fast you can close out on the trap, all of those things. So we want to major in the majors. What is the major? The major might be making sure that you get that trap every time, making sure that your hands are up and active, making sure that you're loud. Those are things that make a good trap. Being three inches, your chest three inches away from a player's shoulders, uh, that may not be as important as this coach thought it was. Um, and to, I, it's not because of this reason, but that particular coach was only at the school for a year or two, and then they let him go, just didn't win too many games. And I often wondered, did he major in the minors too much? Were that the major things he needed to focus on were not focused on? Because you can carry that into a lot of different areas when you're running a team and running a program, is are you paying attention to details that really just don't matter in the grand scheme of things? And I think that is one of the tough things as a coach to be able to do especially a head coach, a varsity coach, a college coach, determine what are the majors and what are the minors. The minor things, let's pass those on to the assistant coaches. Let's pass those on to some managers uh, to be paying attention to because it's not that they're not always important. It's just not where all of our time as a head coach or as a team needs to be spent. So do plan your practices. Don't be so detailed that you major in the minors. So, coaches, there are six do's and don'ts of being a basketball coach. I hope some of them kind of spurred some thoughts in your mind and just made you think just a little bit more about that area or about something that you're doing that you remember from last season that you just don't want to do quite as much of this season. So, coaches, I appreciate you joining me on the Coaching Lab podcast. Again, feel free to head over to CoachMattDennis.com. Check out the coaching lab. I think you really enjoy what's inside. If you're looking to lead a team or a program successfully, that's where you want to be. Coach, if you've enjoyed the coaching lab podcast, I encourage you to go give us a five-star rating and even leave us a review. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode, Coach. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out the coaching lab at coachmattdennis.com. You'll find everything you need to have more success in less time.